Ovajana, Tumirandasya, Gyanam Jana Shalakaya, Chakshur Militam Yuna Tatsmai Shigaravinamaha. Today the topic is Books are the basis. Utility is the principle. Purity is false. These four lines Srila Prabhupada gave to describe the Krishna consciousness movement. The first thing is books are the basis. What is the basis or the foundation? Foundation should be very strong. Otherwise, there's a saying, building houses on sand. If you build a house on sand, even if the walls are very well constructed and everything is very solidly constructed, what will happen? It will collapse very soon. Therefore, the basis should be very strong. Prabhupada said books are the basis. When Prabhupada said that the only books in our movement were those of Sri Prabhupada, maybe that one other book was published at that time. Uh, I think it probably was The Scientific Basis of Krishna Consciousness by Dr. That was written on Prabhupada's order. That was written for mass distribution, along with Prabhupada's book. And Prabhupada also instructed or approved of, I can't remember exactly which, a book by Satsuru Maharaj, which was printed by the BBT in Prabhupada's presence, called Readings in Vedic Literature. Readings in Vedic Culture? In Literature. Oh, Literature. literature. So, uh, Prabhupada encouraged his disciples, especially when he's advanced disciples, Right. Actually, he encouraged everyone to write, but he didn't encourage everyone to. For, for writing books, he wanted that those who are, for books that should be published, he wanted that those who are more advanced and in understanding of philosophization do so. So, when Prabhupada said books are the basis, we understood that to mean basically that this means Prabhupada's books. Prabhupada said, my books are the law books for the next 10,000 years, because the Krishna conscious movement is expected to expand over the next 10,000 years. So the basis of the Krishna conscious movement spreading should be Srila Prabhupada's books. Prabhupada used to say, if you want to know me, read my books. So who would like to know Srila Prabhupada? Everyone except those who are asleep. <laughs> I hope you're dreaming of Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> but Prabhupada wasn't simply dreaming, he was very practical. So if you want to know Prabhupada, then we should read his books. Of course, it's not just a matter of reading, you have to put it in practice also. You've heard that we should hear from the Guru. But hearing means hearing so that we can put it into practice in our lives. In Vrindavan, there are some famous speakers who are Gurus, and people go to hear them because they think we should hear from the Guru. But it's just like a function. They go and listen, but there's, there's no real instruction for them to apply in their lives. They'll talk something about Krishna Lila, but nothing practical. How to improve our lives, how to get free from the modes of material nature and surrender to Krishna. Kaupai's books, they contain the essence of all the teachings of the previous Acharyas. Prabhupada said that, if you want, uh, by reading my books you get in touch with the previous Acharya. But there's something very special about Prabhupada's books also. Because all the books of the previous Acharyas, they explain what is Krishna consciousness. But in Prabhupada's books, more than in any other books previously written, there's something very, there's one very special ingredient also. Because in Prabhupada's books, it's like he's grabbing you by the neck and telling you, surrender, surrender, surrender to Krishna. 
in every page, in every line, in every word, in every letter, and even in the full stops and even in the spaces in between, there's a surrender, surrender, surrender. It's, it's a pulsating current through every word of Prabhupada's books. Can you feel that when you read Prabhupada's book? Prabhupada is talking to us and preaching to, to us. Even if it's something, Prabhupada is telling something technical, the, the uh, <coughs> geography of Jambodvipa or something like that. It's always the current is there. They're so powerful that there are literally hundreds and thousands of cases of people who took Prabhupada's books. They had never heard anything about Krishna, no such idea. But by reading even a small book, they're prepared to surrender their life to Krishna. Just like uh, Shabari, is she here? She got one small book, Life Comes From Life. She's a housewife living in Chistapal, which is about as remote a place as you can imagine on this earth. <laughs> she got the book, she read it, and she thought, this is it. For so many years I've been a housewife, I had no idea of any, what is all this, but this, now I have to change my mind. So she saved up, she saw the addresses there in Moscow, so she saved up some money, went to Moscow, asked what is all this about, got the beads, learned all the principles, came back and started following us. There are many such examples. We had one example of one man in England, this is many years ago, he was walking on the street on the, on the pavement and it was wet. And you know, you know when you're walking on a wet pavement, sometimes a piece of paper sticks to your shoe. So he bent down to take it off his shoe, and somehow he saw written there, back to Godhead. Someone had ripped up one magazine and threw it. Some demon. They thought, no one should see this. So he looked to see what else was written. It was just one paragraph. He couldn't understand it, but it sounded very interesting. So he wiped it and put it in his wallet, and he used to read it every day. And one day he was walking on the street, and there was a hurry noun party. And they were trying to sell some magazines. So, like many other people, he avoided and tried to go the other way. But the devotees were very expert, so they rammed the magazine in his stomach, pushed it away, and it, ah. he just, just he thought, what, what was the title of that magazine? I thought I saw some, some title of that magazine. So it looked familiar. So he went back and said, what was that magazine? This is Back to Godhead. Give me one. What's it all about, anyway? So anyway, you can imagine the result, the, end, the ending of the story. It's a happy ending. His wife didn't think it was a happy ending, but it was. So there are many, many, many such reasons. These books are so powerful, they literally change people's lives. That uh, people have been wandering in material existence for millions and billions of lifetimes. And they were just routinely preparing to become a cat, a dog, a rat, a fish, a mouse, and so on. Yet again, when all of a sudden comes into their life, Prabhupada's book, and changes their life. Because Prabhupada is personally there, preaching. Just like there's that famous incident one journalist asked Prabhupada, what will happen to this movement when you die? Prabhupada said, I will never die. I will live forever in my books. So we can practically experience that. Prabhupada changes people's lives and he maintains, when we come to Krishna consciousness, he maintains our spiritual life. We've all had the experience, we've had some doubts or in some kind of strange consciousness, somehow we're in Maya, and we open Prabhupada's books and Prabhupada preaches us to us exactly the point that we have to get, that we need 
to free, get free from doubt and get out of mind. You've all experienced this, and you're, you're somewhat bewildered, and then pro exactly the point. You open the book and Prabhupada preaches to you exactly the point you have to know. Prabhupada gave one example. Just like people have to eat food to remain strong, that is the general rule. Sometimes we hear about Dhruv Maharaj living on air for six months. The general rule is that you eat food to get some strength, isn't it? So Prabhupada gave the example, just like you eat food to get strong, daily you have to eat. So in the same way, daily you have to study these books, otherwise you'll become spiritually weak. Prabhupada wrote that unless the members of this Krishna conscious movement read these books, regularly, then they will simply uh, eat, sleep, fall down and lose the wonderful opportunity of this human form of life. We'll lose their interest? And then they'll, they'll eat, sleep, yeah. fall down and lose the opportunity of this oh. human form of life. Now, in uh, Russia, we have this Bhakti Shastri course. So, that can be studied by correspondence also. So you all please study this. Go deeply into the knowledge in Prabhupada's books. Then you'll have a very strong basis because books are the basis. Because in this material in this material world, Maya is always present. This is Devi Dham, the land of Maya. So the second we stop thinking about Krishna, that moment Maya enters. So how to remain strong? We have to be fixed in the instructions of Shastra, especially Bhagavad Gita. But day-to-day -day life, living in this material world, trying to be Krishna conscious, Bhagavad Gita is the best guide. For more details of philosophy and for more understanding of Krishna's pastimes, there is Srimad Bhagavata. But for practical understanding of how to live in this world and be Krishna conscious, Bhagavad Gita is the best book. It was spoken by Krishna to Arjuna in a time of crisis for him. So by hearing Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna, he learned how to live in this world without being attached to it, how to do our duty in the service of Krishna, how to remain in clear consciousness, not bewildered by so many difficulties that will arise. So every one of us will have to face very difficult tests. We never expect what will so, so many things come upon us that we never expect. So for sure, everyone will have to face difficulties of various, various kinds of difficulties. But if we are fixed in the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita, then Yasmin Stito Nadu Kena. That what is that? What is that? How does that go? Yasmin Stito Nadu Kena. Guru Napi Vichalvite. Even in, even in the most difficult situation, very, very difficult, one remains fixed. He doesn't become overwhelmed by lamentation. We find Arjuna himself, again, after the Bhagavad Gita was spoken, found himself in a very difficult situation. Um, after the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, after, after the Bhagavad Gita was spoken. Oh. And Krishna passed away, that, himself, that itself was a... Was a huge calamity in his life. But not only Krishna, but most of the Yadu dynasty had also passed away in a, in a manner which seemed uh, debasing. Such an exalted family that they fought amongst each other, killed each other. So Arjuna did his duty by bringing, he was taking the queens from Dwaraka to Hastinapur to look after them. Uh, 
Krishna's been so. When Arjuna was attacked and overcome by a band of of infidel cowherdmen, and this is Arjuna who who fought with Lord Shiva and was not overcome by Lord Shiva. Oh, he was overcome by the bandits. Hmm? You said that he was overcome by the bandits, not yet. Yeah, but he wasn't overcome. Previously, he fought with Lord Shiva and wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but he was, he was overcome by the bandits who then took all the queens. Who, uh, in the in the battle to take back the cows of King Virat, had single-handedly overcome Karna, Duryodhana, Bhishma, Drona, all the great warriors of the Kuru dynasty, who had personally fought on the same chariot with Lord Krishna. How is that possible? It's so embarrassing. So in that hour of crisis, where he had lamentation, humiliation, all these combined, he remembered Krishna's instructions in Bhagavad Chaitasa Sarva Karmani, Matprasada, Chaitasa Sarva Durgani, Matprasada Tarishti. Krishna told Arjuna that by my mercy, by my grace, you can cross over all obstacles. So a devotee remains calm amidst all difficulties, knowing that what must happen by destiny must happen, but we should remain fixed in service to Krishna. So please. Go on reading Bhagavad Gita as it is again and again, and try to distribute these books also. We have, like I was saying, we have some full-time book distributors, and others can do also. We see that uh, Raja Yogini, she's also distributing many books. At least her name comes up in the list. So like that, many devotees, they're doing, just like one lady came to me last night, she's, she's uh, working in some shop, but with her salary she purchases books and gives to people. Everyone should try to distribute these books also. So, books are the basis and preaching is the essence. Prabhupada's whole life was preaching. Just like every atom in Prabhupada's books is, is preaching, surrender to Krishna. So every atom of Prabhupada's transcendental body is also preaching, preaching, preaching. One time uh, Prabhupada was sick, he was resting in the day and one devotee was with him, tending to him. And every so often Prabhupada would just wake up for a short time and say something to him. Have you been to Allahabad? We should preach there. So all the time, even in the apparently sick condition, Prabhupada was always thinking how to preach and spread Krishna consciousness. Often Prabhupada's godbrothers used to criticize him. See, there's so many young women disciples, you even let them stay in the temples. Yeah. It's not very good. Yeah, Criticize. But Prabhupada was doing whatever was necessary for preaching, understanding that the social conditions in the West and in India were different. Prabhupada was making sannyasis, and <coughs> quite a few of them fell down. So people were criticizing. Prabhupada said, "We need some leaders. We need some people to to take." Leadership, otherwise how can we spread this movement? Prabhupada knew that it was a risk to give young men sannyas, but he wanted to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world very quickly. And if by giving someone sannyas they became infused and others were ready to follow them, then why not for preaching? In this way Prabhupada gave sannyas to young men who had been in the movement maybe two or three years, or maybe twenty-three years old, okay. Take sannyas, go to Japan, go to Australia. No devotee's ever been there before. Go preach. So, uh, 
when devotee asks Prabhupada that you see some sannyasis are falling down, that's that's not very good. Uh, his disciples, Prabhupada, what, what, what should happen to a sannyasi who falls down? In one case, when one sannyasi asked this to Prabhupada, Prabhupada he, they asked, should he do like Chota Haridas, drown himself in prayag? Prabhupada said, yes. Prayag is Triveni? Yeah, Triveni. Triveni means one particular time. Generally known as Prayag. He just said, well, yes. So that devotee went and drowned himself in but in, practically, uh, Prabhupada, he, some sannyasins fell down. He didn't tell that he got drowned in his One devotee had done tremendous service in spreading the movement in Australia, but he fell down from sannyas. Prabhupada wrote a letter here and said, it doesn't, you know, don't run away. You get married and live like a gentleman. Come back, I want your service. So when this devotee asked Prabhupada that, uh, what, if a sannyasin falls down, what can he do? Prabhupada said, he can get married. And then later on, if he's ready, he can take sannyas again. And the devotee Yogeshwar, he asked, well, don't you think people will criticize? I said, what does it matter as long as the preaching goes on? So, we, actually from these incidents, we can understand both preaching is the essence and utility is the principle. So, preaching is the essence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself sent Nityananda and Haridas to preach. Nityananda, listen, 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 Haridas. Make my order known everywhere. Go door to door, every door, and beg. Do some begging. So, what are you begging people? Worship Krishna, Bhaja Krishna, follow Krishna, chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare, Krishna, Shikha, read Bhagavad Gita as it is. Of course, Bhagavad Gita came a few years later. Basic idea. That's the basic idea, because books are the basic. That's the play of words. Can you put that in Russian? If you're really expert, you could find some other word and make another play in Russian. Sometimes, not always. Brilliant. So, uh, this is our parampara. The next generation after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the six Goswamis, they are very busy writing books on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's authors. Mm. So, uh, the next generation after the six Goswamis, the, the shining stars of the next generation were Shamananda Srinivas and Narottam. So they were from Orissa and Bengal. They were studying under Jiva Goswami and Mandana. So they were all very close friends, even though they were initiated all by different gurus, not by Jiva Goswami. So they made a pact between them that we shall live together all our lives in Vrindavan. And after a few days, Jiva Goswami called them. He said, you're all very good students and very satisfied. You've studied very nicely. Now you have to go and preach. So go back to your, where you came from, from Bengal and Orissa, and preach this morning. He said, well, we just made a vow to stay in Vrindavan. doesn't matter. I'm telling you to go and preach. Whose order is more important than your own desire? So they went. They preached Krishna consciousness very widely. You can find in that book, the Jivot Rasikananda, how Rasikananda assisted. Jivot means belly. Is it? I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> so, uh, 
راستی کنان means something like a monastery. And it was a very normal thing that uh, in the Akra, Babaji's, they were called Vairagis, Vairagis, they would live with a few widows. They might be, the widows might be 16 years old or 25 years old. They generally preferred them to the older widows, the younger widows. The, the, the younger yeah. widows were preferred yeah, by Babaji's to the older. I understand. They had, there were different processes, Kishori Bhajan, worship some young girl. So this was in India where they were very conservative about such things. They were very conservative about male, man and woman relationships. I just said So, uh, this was scandalous. That in the name of religion, living in such a scandalous way. So, Vaishnavs, they... They became a whole subcaste below the Shudras, the children of the Bairagis and the widows. So the words Bairagi, Vaishnavi, and and Vaishnavs, they, they came to be considered like the very worst people in the whole system. So Thakur, he did some work of re-establishing the dignity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, for the first time, since the time of Shamananda Srinivasa Narottam preached very strongly and widely in Bengal. And really he preached like a lion against all these deviations. And then uh, again after he passed away, the, the preaching really went down. I mean, as uh, unfortunately uh, after Pakistan Sasrakarpo passed away, there was infighting in the Gorya Mata over who would be in charge, who would get which properties. So really, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement had again, after such a big impact of Pakistan, again became practically nothing. Now, some of the Gorya Mata, when we say Gorya Mata, it means actually there are many, many different groups because they split up. So now they have a little life again because they, they it's after seeing the activities of ISKCON and They've, they've got a little encouragement. But really, uh, Prabhupada, what he did was unimagined and unprecedented. He did what was apparently considered impossible, which was to preach Krishna consciousness all over the world. No one could imagine preaching Krishna consciousness in the Western countries. They weren't able to do anything in India, then what were they going to do in the West? When he went to the West, no one gave him any encouragement. But uh, Prabhupada went with the with the idea, let me try to serve my Guru Maharaj's order. And Krishna gave him the intelligence how to preach, because he was very serious to do so. And again, utility is the principle, because he was able to adjust 
Therefore, he was able to preach successfully. Just like when he first went to America, he was staying with an American family, and he used to keep his bog in the fridge, the same fridge they kept their meat in. In Butler? Yeah. Mm. Now, if he was going to be very strict that I have to live exactly the way I do, I, I do in India, and he couldn't have preached in America. Because Prabhupada was fixed on the understanding that preaching is the essence, therefore he could practically apply utility as the principle. Sometimes we take this uh, saying, utility is the principle, to make adjustments for our sense gratification. In other words, we say, well, Prabhupada made so many adjustments, so I'll make some adjustments. But we're not making adjustments for preaching, we're making adjustments for our sense gratification. Just like one devotee, I, I was asking him, why, why is it you're always getting up every morning at 8 o'clock in the morning? He said, well, you see, uh, Prabhupada said that his father used to get up a little later. His father was a pure devotee. So, and he said, well, you said, he said to me that, well, you get up early in the morning, but you take some rest in the day, so I just take it all at one time. So what's the problem? You told him. No. To, to, oh, he told he you. He said that, well, you, he said to me, you get up early in the morning, but then you take some rest in the day, so I just take it all at one time. So this is it was your instruction for him to get to take rest in the day. No, he used to get up eight o'clock every morning. Yeah. Then he said to me when I questioned him on this, mm. he said that to me that you rise early but then you take some rest in the day. So I just take one block of rest and I don't take rest in the day. So what's the harm in it? Well, I don't understand. So. <laughs> I got mixed food tells okay. who and who gets okay. up and who doesn't get up. Well, I get up early in the morning and he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, understood. So then he was making an excuse. Yeah. Do it three words at a time. Oh. <laughs> so he said, well, he said to me, you get up early in the morning. He said yeah. to me, you get up early in the morning, mm. speaking to me, but then you take some rest in the day. Ah, now I understand. So, instead of taking rest in the day, you just take rest all at one time. <laughs> Sounds logical, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's not the instructions of our Acharya. So he made some adjustments. There was no gain in his Krishna consciousness. So utility can be applied particularly if the preaching will be improved. Prabhupada even said once, you can, for preaching you can break all the regulated principles. But then Prabhupada said, but don't take it like that. <laughs> In other words, if it was really necessary, you could do such a thing. Just like when Bhaktisiddhanta uh, Saraswati Thakur, he invited the, the governor of one of the provinces of India, means one of the biggest Britishers in India, one of the most important, he invited him and he came to Mayapur. So uh, these people are accustomed to eating meat three times a day. So Sarasvati Thakur arranged with a Calcutta hotel to provide food according to their taste. And he, he, some of his disciples, they were shocked, but Sarasvati Thakur was considering the situation that if we're going to bring these important people to Mayapur, they're, 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 they're prepared to do that much, but they may not be prepared to accept a, a non-vegetarian diet even for one day. A, a vegetarian diet? No, they may not be prepared to accept a, a, vegetarian, a vegetarian diet even for one day. So he was considering how to win their friendship and eventually introduce them to Krishna consciousness. Or even not, even if not bring them to Krishna consciousness, unless they want to 
at least the British government will let them continue their activities. Because especially at that time, in Bengal, in Bengal, especially in all of India, there were many secret organizations which were plotting to throw the British out of India. And actually quite a few of the Gorya Mat devotees at that time, they were previously freedom fighters, people who were going around making bombs and blowing up the British and all that kind of thing. They may not have directly been bombing because that was quite unusual. That was quite unusual in those times. At least political. So Bhaktisiddhan Saraswati, he wanted to win their confidence so that they could go on with their activities in preaching. So definitely the British might have been quite suspicious. Why are they making their headquarters in this place, which is Mayapur, is one of the most remote places you could imagine. There was no road there until Bhaktisiddhan Saraswati made one. You could only go there by, by crossing the Ganga, by boat. It was very remote. So they brought the British to come and see what we're doing. We're standing here. And when they came, they, when the, John Anderson, Sir John Anderson, he came, they had a big banner written in English, God save the king. <laughs> That's a, it's, a, it's the English national anthem, the British national anthem. Это in Russian also used to be. Uh-huh. God save him. <laughs> the Tsar didn't get saved. <laughs> да, но в России... Here in this family came to a rather sudden and unfortunate man. So, uh, anyway, even some of Salisbury Tako's own disciples, they were quite shocked by this. Because, you know, they're going everywhere preaching, you, you follow these principles, And uh, one of the main things they were preaching was that Vaishnavas don't eat fish. Because in Bengal at that time, as even now, there are many people who used to chant Hare Krishna. And many invented mantras of their own also. Which is maybe one reason why Prabhupada emphasized to chant Hare Krishna and not make up your own mantras. Because in, otherwise it would become like Bengal where Uh, it's, everyone just makes up their own mantras as they go along. So anyway, there are many Vaishnavs who chanted Hare Krishna and Tilak and Japa Malas and you'd see them moving the Malas and the lips slightly moving but there was no sound. <laughs> I used to see in Bangladesh that probably they'd sit down and they'd be talking with each other and in between some great sound coming out. Bengali, Bangladesh? Yeah. So then I'd ask, how many rounds have you chanted? Because it's obvious they hadn't chanted hardly any. They've been talking with each other with a few book or books in between for the last one and a half hours. Counting beads and say, 43. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I chant 64 rounds. So there are many such Vaishnavas. Very devoted. Just one thing, some little folk, they all used to fish. Generally Bengalis are very fond of fish. And they used to say, well, it's, you see, it's, it's vegetarian food, because it's the fruit of the Ganga. So you go to a tree and you pick the fruit, so you go to a river and you pick the fish. It's just very logical, isn't it? <laughs> Free food, very nutritious, a lot of protein. So the, the Bhaktisiddhan Saraswatthapa was preaching very strongly, this is bogus. But then he himself arranged for meat to be served to the Britishers. And he even uh, suggested that in the Western countries we shall also do this. We shall have students' hostels where we shall have the students residing and have them chant Hare Krishna and then they can eat meat also. That is not necessary to introduce today in Russia. Don't start to mix meat with pulao. With pulao? Yeah, or anything else. 
Don't go and say, well, Bhaktivikas Swami said it's okay to eat meat. <laughs> Parampara. Coming from Bhaktivikas Swami. <laughs> this was an idea he had to start the preaching among the Western people. Because at that time, not only was there practically no vegetarianism, but then no one had even heard of it. Even much later in the, when, in the 1970s, when at school I decided to become a vegetarian, it was considered something very strange. So, um, one of his sannyasis complained to, not exactly complained, but uh, asked Bhaktisiddhanta said that, well, if we do all these things, we'll get a bad name. So Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvatthaka replied that, I already considered all these things many thousands of lifetimes ago. How to preach in various circumstances. So preaching is the essence. So everyone should, all the devotees should try to preach Krishna consciousness according to their capacity and ability. Otherwise, if we don't do that, there's a tendency that our Krishna consciousness will become stagnant. We have a duty to preach. It's like Prabhupada is feeling the urge to preach. People are suffering because they don't know about Krishna. So we should try to inform them about Krishna. Just like Prabhupada, one time he was sick in America, but he had a whole traveling schedule up ahead. And all his disciples were saying, Prabhupada, you just stay and rest, cancel your tour. So Prabhupada, anyway, he was, he went up. He went up, he said, I'm going to the airport, I'm going And even as he was walking out, devotees were trying to convince Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you stay. Prabhupada turned around and said to them, you do not understand. He said, I want the benediction from Krishna to fight for him up to the last breath, just like Arjuna. So, if we can get even a drop of a drop of a drop of Prabhupada's tremendous preaching spirit, then we shall also certainly desire to spread this Krishna consciousness. Of course, we should do that in a, in a very uh, intelligent manner also. It may not be very effective, for instance, to walk up to some old babushka on the street and tell them, you're a demon, you're eating meat. Surrender to Krishna. So <laughs> <laughs> what? You're eating meat. We can give one of Prabhupada's books. When she reads it, she'll read, Oh, I'm a demon. We should surrender to Krishna. That's a better way of saying it. Even Prabhupada himself said that. Once he was giving a lecture in Bombay and did Pandal. And Prabhupada was speaking very heavily. And many people, they couldn't tolerate it because they Oh, Maya, surrender to Krishna, why are you spoiling your life? So many people, they got up and left. Because usually they come, some sadhu comes and blesses them and says, Oh, you're all very nice. I bless you, you will enjoy material life. Sings a few songs with a harmonium and tells a few stories about Krishna and everyone laughs a little bit. Prabhupada came and they all said, Oh, Swami's going to tell some nice stories. You rascals, you're all in Maya. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do I'm going to go back home and watch the TV. So afterwards, Prabhupada commented that actually book distribution is better preaching because Prabhupada said people don't become so offended. Actually, Prabhupada he wasn't lecturing. He very rarely lectured like that. You're all in Maya, but he would simply describe the position of materialistic people. He wouldn't directly say you are in Maya, but he'd say something like this: that materialistic people they simply spend all their lives working. They get up in the morning, then they go to the, they get on the train, they go to the office, and all day they're simply 
absorbed in materialistic activity. So in this way they're living like cats and dogs without any higher purpose. So he wouldn't directly say, but people could understand he's talking about me. There's a saying in English, if the shoe fits, wear it. Just like some you say that materialistic people, they're, sim they're simply living like polished animals. Are you talking about me? Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. If, it. if the description fits you, then it must be you. Now, one thing we should understand is that Prabhupada's preaching was based on intense compassion. Someone might think, well, Prabhupada, he, he was very harsh on people. But actually, that was a symptom of his tremendous compassion. That he didn't just deal with people superficially, but he was very direct in, in an attempt to save them from the miserable lives that they were living. So we should invite this uh, preaching mood, preach strongly, preach directly. And of course we see that Prabhupada, he wasn't only speaking strongly and directly, but he gave people a, a taste of the spiritual world, literally. And the taste of Harinamaras. So people could practically experience that material life is miserable, and yes, this Krishna consciousness is so wonderful. So Prabhupada would give that taste of the spiritual world, spiritual existence, but at the same time, so that we would take it seriously and not simply be sentimentalists, he spoke the philosophy of Krishna consciousness very straightforwardly, because purity is the force. Whatever we're doing in Krishna consciousness, we have to do on the basis of purity. That means we have to adhere to the four regulated principles, we have to chant minimum 16 rounds a day. And we have to avoid all kinds of activities that will impair our Krishna consciousness. Just like nowadays we see it's among some kind of devotees, they spend some time every day chanting, but they also spend some time every day watching TV. But you can't actually become Krishna conscious by doing this. And you'll find that such devotees, although there's some Krishna conscious but they're not becoming purified because they're deliberately engaging in materialistic activities. So purity is the force. There should be a very strong focus in our lives of how we are going to become Krishna conscious. We should accept whatever is favorable for advancing in Krishna consciousness and reject whatever is unfavorable. On that basis, we can adopt. Preaching is the essence. Because if we preach but we don't ourselves follow properly, then there won't be any proper effect. If we talk so, so, so much high philosophy but we ourselves live like karmis, then uh, obviously people are not going to take us seriously. So we have to stick very carefully to the principles of purity. And utility is the principle means some adjustments can be made if necessary. But we should be very careful not to compromise our purity. It may be for the sake of preaching, sometimes uh, you can only take one bath a day, whereas you may prefer to take two or three. So some, that's a compromise on purity, but that's more ritualistic purity. But we should be very careful to stick to principles such as only eating food which is cooked by devotees and offered to Krishna of daily chanting Hare Krishna All these basic principles we have to follow to maintain purity. Then we can chant Hare Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness is very, very simple. Chant Hare Krishna by this all perfection. There's nothing more required. Chant Hare Krishna, follow these basic principles and 
all perfection. Very simple, very straight. You just have to stick to it very carefully, without any mental speculation. Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu introduced this, but I've got a better idea. This is bogus. Just stick to what is given. Guru, Sato, Chant Hare Krishna. Don't be too much mental. That means Uma. that we should apply our intelligence in Krishna consciousness. But we shouldn't be on the mental platform. That means we should be our minds should be clearly focused on serving Krishna according to Guru Sadhana Shastra. Books are the basis, preaching is the essence, utility is the principle, purity is the force.